This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm excited to welcome on Brian Anderson today. He's been on the show. Uh, this will be his third time. And you, you hear him on NBA games. He does MLB. He does Brewers. He does the match coming up, which we talk about uh, with Bryson and Brooks. So uh, that's pretty cool. And and then he does March Madness. So he's he's a rising star. Uh, I've been talking about that for the last couple of years. He's a star now in, in, in the broadcasting world. So anyway, great to talk with him today. I think you'll really enjoy it. A lot of different topics, interesting topics, and some great encouragement from him as well. We are brought to you by MediShare. My wife and I, we've been thankful to be MediShare members for over five years. MediShare has provided us with an affordable and effective way to pay for health care. So it's open enrollment right now. And if you're looking to make a change, check out MediShare.com slash unpacking it metashare.com slash unpacking it so at least look into the options get a quote and and do some research and and check it out metashare is an innovative healthcare solution for christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality and and so uh we've enjoyed being members and so we're excited to be uh partners here at unpacking it with metashare and appreciate them sponsoring this show and, and so, again, it's metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, before we jump into the conversation with Brian Anderson, have you ever listened to the Steam Room podcast with Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley? It's awesome. Of course, I love those guys. They're the best. Ernie's been on the show a number of times. He's still probably my favorite guest uh, ever. Uh, Brian talks about Ernie on the show today. Uh, also talks about Charles Barkley, talks about the match. But those two guys brought up Brian on their podcast, and I wanted to play a clip just to set up our interview today. So here is a clip from the Steam Room, the podcast with Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley, uh, at the beginning where they're talking about Brian Anderson, and then Charles talks a little golf. Let's, let's play this clip. Let me tell you something. Brian Anderson, I've got to know him a little bit the last couple of years and we were in the bubble for the playoffs and we played golf a few days. Man, number one, not only is he an awesome dude, he is great at what he does. Oh, without question. To be able to switch from sports to sports and have the same awesome, you know, 
control over everything. Like, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I've told B.A. in our conversations in the past, I said, before it's all said and done, you will go down as one of the great play-by-play guys of all time. Yeah. Before it's all said and done, he is spectacular. He is spectacular. He's on my list, too, now. He's on the list. You're never going to get him <laughs> on that list. You are not going to beat Brian Anderson in golf. Hey, let me tell you something. I don't too. care how many strokes aside he gives you. No, let me tell you something. I think he's soft. No. No, him, Grant Hill, Roy Green, Marcus Allen, uh, Eric Dickerson, those are all the guys that I'm going to beat down one day. It's going to be a long time before you beat Brian Anderson, you, man. You know how I just gloss over your name. I put you in the in – the, to... I've already – no, I already, I, I already beaten you before, and you've beaten me. So that's – we're good. Okay. We're good. So apparently Charles is, is better at golf now. So, uh, but no, I appreciate what they said about Brian Anderson. That that's that's good stuff. Those are those are high compliments from both those guys who have been around the industry for a long time, have been at Turner for a long time, and and they know what what great broadcasters sound like. So that's some good stuff uh, about Brian Anderson. But let's go to the interview right now. And joining us on the MetaShare guest line, broadcaster Brian Anderson, Turner Sports, Milwaukee Brewers, 2K. You can see the NBA 2K <laughs> sign if you're, if you're watching the, the video. But, Brian, it's great to have you back on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to be with you, man. You've, uh, you've really stepped up your game since the last time we saw. You've got trinkets and bobbleheads and... You got a Kobe jersey and like some lighting. You've 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 taken it a, a long way, Bryce. Good for we you, man. Step it up, absolutely. But uh, same for you. And it's funny. I was going to ask you this, but I'll ask it to you now. Uh, of all the things that maybe changed, kind of during the pandemic, or how it affected your job and logistics and all that sort of thing, what actually stuck? What what things actually changed? Because I know for us, we started doing video, and so it's it's stuck. We're we're now doing a podcast video wise. Yeah in a couple years ago what, what about for you well thank goodness uh, what we were doing is not going to stick and that is uh calling nba games from this exact space um Gosh. it's uh i i am in the bowels of my basement i live in wisconsin we have basements which is great especially yes. for man man caves and whatnot um but in the pandemic because we couldn't travel and uh, amazing bit of technology to pull it off I did games. I did 60 NBA games from right here in this seat. Um, I had a little rig. There were more monitors on the walls and whatnot. There was a lighting kit. So it was a little bit different. But for the most part, this is where I sat and off a monitor, off multiple monitors called NBA games. So we're back in arenas now, and that's a good thing and um, feels more normal. But uh, this room that I built in the pandemic, uh, I still do all the voiceovers for NBA 2K. Um, there's a ton of voiceovers that I do for the Brewers. I still work for the Milwaukee Brewers. So um, teases and, you know, marketing videos and prom- promo material, whatever they want me to do or need me to do. I really don't have to go down into a studio anymore. Um, I just do it right here and it sounds great and yeah, it looks great if I have to go on camera or do an appearance like that. Um, so it's actually been kind of neat to see where technology has taken us in the encoder decoder world. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm happy about that. I, I think there has been some good things that have come out of this. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned the basement. So I, I live in Charlotte and basements are rare. <laughs> However, I got one. So I'm, yes. I'm right there with you. They're, they're the best. Well, so since you built this studio area, how much did that take away from your actual man cave and, and sport Nothing. viewing or is it incorporated? Okay. No, not at all. Believe it or not, uh, the area I'm sitting in, so it's long, it's 12 feet by four feet wide and nine feet tall, so 12, four, not, uh, nine feet tall. And this, these are actually storage shelves. This is a storage area cool. in the unfinished part of my basement. So, like, I don't know if you can see, but, like, that's just wood under there. And I put all this, all this material, this acoustic material here. But basically, wow. these were st- this is storage, and it was just an unused space anyway. We had a few, like boxes and stuff down here but no, nothing major it really has turned into a pretty cool space and everybody who comes over to my house they love coming in here and because it sounds great too you know you walk into an acoustically perfect setting uh which is what we need to do yep. nba 2k uh it, it's it's a cozy little place man it's small it's like being in a cockpit of a of an airplane but uh <laughs> once you come down here it's kind of a nice place to hang out it's a good place to get away so Took up no space. I didn't have to lose my ping pong table or my pool table or oh, my 80-inch my television. is still in perfect in position for me to watch games. That's excellent. So do you go one big TV or do you have multiple TVs? No, nah, I'm one big TV guy because I, okay. I use the multiples but only as a second screen. Like I'll have my – you know, I have a game on my phone or whatever. But honestly, I don't watch a lot of games uh as a fan so what i'm usually when i'm watching games it's for preparation as i get ready for nba or major league baseball games and i'm kind of grinding on like i need something in my hands that i can toggle back and forth and so i use an ipad my laptop whatever uh, i have but i do a lot of prep in here actually um i have multiple screens that i can split off into you know the same game but maybe both broadcast uh so i can see how one team is covering and and a lot of it's just kind of skimming through to look at graphics so um yeah i mean it's 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 evolved it's been fun to to dive into all the technology that's available and all the research tools we have uh, available to us to try to be better but not get so distanced from uh the games and you know what makes it interesting um that we lose that touch too we still want to talk about the poetry of the game and mm-hmm. let it breathe and make sure we're not just cramming all kind of information just because we've prepped it and we know it. Um, I call it the humble approach, mm-hmm. but you know, we, I try to take a humble approach to broadcasting and it's that same principle of like knowing when to be quiet too is just as important as knowing uh, when to speak. Uh, man, that, that truth translates to to a lot of yes. areas of life. Yeah, every walk of life. And and it and it comes straight from the Lord Himself. So it's, if that's the original source, we're all about sourcing here. That's if right. we're going to go to the original source, then that's a pretty good one to start. <laughs> Absolutely, but no, that is a good point because sometimes I'm listening to a game and the stories are great, but it's like, wait, there are just three awesome plays that kind of got overlooked because yeah. you, know, you got to finish the story, and sometimes the story gets interrupted. So that's a, that's a challenge, I'm sure, to, to yeah. balance. And I and I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I've been guilty of it myself. But I try to be cognizant of it. Now, if it's a blowout game, and yeah. maybe we're teasing the next game like we had 
this past week, Brooklyn and the Warriors. So we did the Nets and the Warriors, and that was a great game and highly anticipated, but it ended up being a 20-point blowout. So that's different, but, you know, for me, commas really work well, uh, verbal commas, I call them, where you can just put a comma on your story or, or this notion you're trying to get into with your analyst, call a play, especially if it's guys who are in the game in a 20-point blowout in the fourth quarter it, with three minutes left that aren't playing much. Like we had a guy who made his NBA yeah. debut. And um, so those things are important to me because I know it's important to those players and their families. So I try to uh, give that the attention that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned that game. That, of course, was a, a big game. But it's still early in the season. Yeah. But those teams only play twice a year, so that was a you know important matchup. Maybe maybe a mm-hmm. finals matchup. We'll see. But what maybe. was your takeaway from the game, from that specific game? Well, Stephen Curry is uh, is an MVP candidate. You know, legit MVP candidate. There's a lot of talk about uh, Stephen that uh, maybe you know he couldn't carry a team to a championship. Um, I think that's just kind of a, a clickbait kind of narrative that you see a lot. I don't think anybody really believes that inside the game. I certainly don't. But it does hang out there. And, you know, he won three titles, two with Kevin Durant, though, and the great team they had for the first one. So uh, it is clear that Stephen Curry is in the discussion for greatest player in the game now. Kevin mm. Durant is also in that discussion, and guys like Jokic and Giannis. So there's a group of players that are in that discussion, but Curry's in there, and he does lead to winning. It's not just his incredible shooting prowess, and you being in Charlotte, I mean, you know the Curry story well, but mm. it's really important that Curry is on the floor because the way he spaces the floor and he just makes everybody better because you have to respect his shooting ability from 35 feet even sometimes 40 feet and so um, I think that's a really interesting thing that's happening a phenomenon that he's he's kind of stretching the game out so far it's almost like if in baseball you could never do this, but if a player had the ability to make the strike zone smaller, you know, if he could go in with his fingers like you do on an iPad and you could make the strike zone smaller, that would be better for the hitter. Curry's doing that in real time with his skill. Um, so it's it's been interesting to watch. That was my biggest takeaway from that game, and I think the Nets got exposed a little bit with some things that they're going to need to address. You know, they've been a good defensive team, but they've not played – a lot of high-powered offenses yet, and they still have issues, and they still have the Kyrie Irving saga to work out. And what do they do with him? Do they trade him? Do they do they wait for the mandate to be lifted? Because who knows if it will be lifted yeah. in New York City. So there's a lot going on with the Nets still, but Kevin Durant can certainly um, carry a team to a finals. And then James Harden, who's not had a great start, um, if he gets going at all, uh, then you know now you're you're kind of looking at a potential finals matchup. That's that's kind of what I took away from that game. Absolutely, I'm just blown away that they're playing this well, and then Clay Thompson is expected to be back yeah. and, and hopefully back healthy. And he's the yep. kind of guy that fits right in because he he fits sure. into the system, and, and everyone knows what he's capable of doing. Well, he's a great offensive weapon always, but the thing that has made him great has been his defensive prowess, and he's the guy that guards the number one wing option. You know, he's been the guy that has lightened the load defensively on Stephen Curry. So he's coming back from an ACL, then an Achilles. He's missed two years. Um, I feel like we're going to be asking a lot out of him 
to expect that kind of high-level defense that we've seen. But I don't know. No one's really seen him. Um, Kevin Durant looks healthy. Um, but to expend that kind of effort and energy on the defensive end, that was what was such a marvel about Clay is that he had this motor that he could be this amazing offensive player and shooter, but also give you just as much on the defensive end and be your best defender. You know, that's so I don't know if he's going to be that kind of defender. I don't feel like uh, his offense is going to suffer at all. He's been shooting. For two years, like his mechanics were already almost flawless, and imagine a guy who has perfect mechanics anyway, and all he can do is shoot, Gosh. you know, and that's all he's been doing. Like he's going to be dialed. Uh. There's no question. Uh, but who knows defensively? I mean, that's a, that's a major story that we'll have to watch. Uh, definitely, I, I just think the, the NBA is more fun when the Warriors are good and, and yeah. playing that style of basketball. It's it's great. So I, I love that they're they're back in the mix, back on top. Uh, this season, at least to, to start the year. Well, that, I've got a ton of things to, to get into, but but I did I just want to hear your thoughts on the last couple of years because we've all had you know different experiences you know with the virus and all the ways that it affects us. But what was your kind of just personal uh, takeaway from the the, the the downtime? You were away from sports for a while. Uh, all the changes that, that that took place to all of our lives and schedules and and all that. And and so for you, from a you know personal faith standpoint, what was uh, what was your story throughout that, that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was an opportunity. You know, like I think, um, you know, we're we're called to be different, better, Christ-like. You know, in every op- in every situation, uh, wherever our feet are, and I think that was an opportunity to to kind of be that way. And you know, for me, it was. Um, I just tried to bring joy to whatever I was involved in. I'm not saying there weren't hard days and you're, you know, racking your brain. And I, I'm not able to do my job as well from a studio setting like this without seeing the game right in front of me, having to watch it off a monitor. So I know that. And I would go down a road of like, man, I, I, I stink right now. You know, I'm, I'm not doing this well. Mm. Even though most people at home would say and all the executives like, oh, it sounds fine. And it probably sounds somewhat normal, but I know the difference. Mm. Uh, so I can get wrapped up in my own, um, you know, my own ego a little bit to say, well, I've been at this level and now I'm kind of mm. maybe at this level, which sounds okay, but I know better. I know I this should sound better and I'm missing things that I wouldn't normally miss. And so either get wrapped up in the actual of all that and upset and angry or flip it and say, Hey man, this is amazing that we're pulling this off. We're bringing entertainment to fans. And, you know, I, 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 I get the Pollyanna a lot. I'm a really positive person and I'm, you know, that's okay. Like that's a compliment to me. Like you're so Pollyanna about everything, but I really do try to look at things from that perspective, you know, everything is a gift. And and there's a lot of crappy things that happen in this world and happen to us. But, you know, we can also write new stories after those moments and those incidents happen. And um, so that was kind of my approach. You know, I tried to take it that way. It wasn't perfect. Um, but I definitely had that on my mind that there's a lot of people that are on the other side of these games that are stuck at home, that are getting to watch an NBA game um, or, or a major league baseball game or whatever it may be. And then the second layer of that is there's a lot of people that are involved in the production 
of all of this that are working extremely hard to pull this off from an engineering, from an IT perspective. Um, and, you know, it's kind of up to me not to be the one that's, that's uh, you know, causing problems or, or complaining all the time. So I just felt like bring that joy when you can and, and appreciate all the skill that has been assembled here to try to pull what we were doing, try to pull it off, uh, which, you know, very few were lucky enough to have that opportunity. You know, I work for a massive company with massive resources in Turner Sports and the Milwaukee Brewers and Major League Baseball. So, I mean, I'm I'm glad to be able to do it. You know, I, I think it was it was a real interesting test and I never felt I felt a little bit of stress of being home a lot mm. and not not in the rhythm of traveling and being at games and the energy you get from the games. But I also felt uh, really challenged to find, to unlock those things that might add to that. And for example, bringing in a speaker, I, I put a speaker right back here that was a direct line from the audio console in Atlanta, which mm. was just the nat sounds, just the oh, natural cool. sounds. So I would turn it up. And it would fill up this room as if I was in the arena. You could hear the squeaks and the whistles and the fans. And I mean, wow. there were no fans, but like the fake fan noise. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, let's let's solve some riddles. That's that's kind of how I went about it. And, and and I think we it was a roaring success. And I hope we never have to do it again. That's right. <laughs> Me too. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, of having that that joyful approach and, and perspective, Kind of what, what is your process day to day to remain in that that mindset and and how do you yeah just stay disciplined in that yeah and, and I don't think you always have to there's a big difference between being happy and being and having joy and right. and that's a that's a major difference this is not happy happy Christian guy because <laughs> I'm upset at a lot of things in this country mm. in this world yeah. and you know, and, and the way our political landscape is right now and, and the way people are being mistreated and the racism that's rampant, mm. that's out in the public now. So mm. that's upsetting me. I get angry at that. Yeah. But that that's not taking away the joy I have for the breaths that I'm taking and the life that I'm living. And, you know, to me, those are all calls for us. We should be upset by things that are happening in this world that, you know, we know aren't right. And we're kind of called to speak up and we're kind of called to lean into those and help people who can't or don't have a voice or, you know, just be an ear or understand to the point where we can help make change. And, you know, I'm not saying I have this huge voice where I can help make change, but I certainly can can hear a lot of stories and relay a lot of those stories on the air in the middle of my games or through right. social media or whatever it may be. So just be more attentive uh, to that. So maybe that was a call for me, the anger I was feeling about it and still do. Maybe that's a call to do something about it. You know, we are always asking God, how could you let this happen? And I think the answer might be, I, I feel deep in my soul that sometimes God says, well, why, how come you are letting this happen? Mm. You know, you're, you're in charge here too. You can take command of certain things. And so, um, you know, like I always feel that that back and forth um, that I want to be a better person and I want to see the world better and I need to keep learning and try to understand people better and understand my own background and past and 
and how that shapes the way I think. And maybe that's not always the right way to think. I've changed my mind on so many things um, over the last couple of years, especially because, um, you know, probably because I've had more time to really get introspective and, and take a deep dive in my own thoughts and, and my own personality and my own belief system. And so it's, uh, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's good. We should all be trending that way. God's right. not afraid of us challenging mm. uh, things because he's al- always ultimately going to be right. It's up to us to discover uh, what's right. So we, we may think we're challenging God on things, <laughs> but actually we're kind of challenging ourselves uh, really sure. because we don't have the full understanding of it. So that's kind of the bottom line that we, we all need a little more of a, of a, a humble approach in our lives as well. Amen. Amen. No, I, I love that perspective. And I, I don't think it's talked about enough, uh, the difference between you know, anger and then righteous anger and, yeah. and, and how to, how to deal with that. And, and I think, yeah, there is this, uh, misconception of, you mentioned that the happy Christian where it's almost delusional and your head's in the clouds and, and you're, you're not dealing with reality and, mm-hmm. you know, even the reality of grieving sin, whether grieving sin in our own lives or grieving the, the sin in the world and the brokenness. And yeah, that's not happy, happy, joy, joy type no. of uh, thing. But, but in the midst of all that, the, the joy in our heart and the, the difference in the light that we are in, in those situations definitely can stand out. So, um, so anyway, I, yeah, just to echo and amen what, what you said, I, I appreciate that. I think that's a good, good perspective to have. So, so that for me, it's just not getting angry about stupid things. That's that's the, that's <laughs> yeah. the key. It's a, it's a checks and balances, and uh, it's a motivator, and it should be a motivator. And you know, we, you know, for me, it's like I we can't equate Christianity. It's Christianity does not equal patriotism. Like those are the mm-hmm. things that are really bothering me lately. That they're different. It's not yeah. this. I can be. I can have patriotism. I can also be a Christian, but sometimes don't those don't align. And you know, we do have some serious uh, things to explore in our culture and in our lives and in our country. And it doesn't mean we're not being patriotic. It doesn't mean um, you know this nationalistic approach where it's you know God blessed America and only America. That's not true. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. not true. Um, so that's one thing that I feel like you know, growing up in Texas and having that, just that idea of like Tex- Texans are awesome. You know, why wouldn't anybody <laughs> want to be a Texan? Uh, you know, but then I moved to Wisconsin. I'm like, wait, well, Wisconsinites are pretty awesome too. And uh, maybe, maybe I wasn't so on point with that, that all Texas and only Texas is kind of where you need to live and grow up. Obviously that's not true. So maybe <laughs> we keep expanding that bubble, you know, that's right. Um, that that applies to to everything else. So, and I try to take all of that into my job, and it's not. I don't compartmentalize how I'm going to go prep for a game or perform in a game or think about a game anyway. Like I'm when I'm thinking about players and prepping for a game and what I might say. It's I think it's with that common thread in me. Like what's interesting about this guy and what is he doing, and so then I'm able to share some of the things that uh, these these players are are doing in their lives that I think is amazing. LeBron James is an amazing amazing personality that is doing incredible things not only on the basketball floor but off it. And so I I I cheer him and I praise him and I I love telling those stories. Um not to say if he does something on the floor that 
you know, is, is something to reprimand. You would do that if he got lazy and he'd be the first to tell you. But um, so it's important to me to, to keep that perspective uh, whenever I can. I'm not perfect at it, but I try to always have that as kind of this, you know, the mission statement, you know, the centerpiece to what I do. That's cool. Yeah, and I, I do think people miss out on just the, the greatness of LeBron because of maybe a few things they didn't like that he said or that they think he believes and, and that sort of yeah. thing. So um, I've, I've been a fan of his and appreciate what he's done for the game and the communities that he's been in. And mm-hmm. he's, yeah, he's a, he's a, from my vantage point as a fan, he's a, he's a great guy. So uh, I think he, as I have conversations with people, I know certain people just don't like him. They just write him off. And I think yeah. they're missing out on on so much of what, out. what he's done on and off the court. And, and no question. Closer, yeah, closer it's to kind of almost don't even want to know that side of it, so it can only embolden their narrative of him. I mean, you can yeah. not like LeBron because he's dealt daggers to your teams. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. fine, you know. Like yeah. that's no big deal. You know, I hated Lynn Swan because <laughs> I was a Houston Oilers fan, and that guy punished my Oilers all those years. He and Terry Bradshaw, but that's different than what I'm talking about and what we're talking about. That's, you know, you got to give the guy credit for, for what he's done. And there's a lot of players like that. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are doing amazing things and come from amazing backgrounds, especially Mm. in the NBA or, or in baseball. Like I'm always gravitating to the Latin players because almost to a man, it's a, it's a phenomenal story. It's an Mm. incredible story, whether they're believers or not. Also, Mm. we're not, we don't have to just, we we don't bunk up into our own camp and say, you know, I'm only going to praise those who believe. And that's not what we should be doing at all. We should be we should be reaching out to everybody and recognizing beauty everywhere or, or generosity everywhere or grace everywhere. And they may not share our beliefs. And that's OK. It's really OK. But you still see God's hand in their life as they're telling their story. And that's that's neat, too. Yeah, yeah no, I, Absolutely. That's a that's a cool cool approach. So the, just along the the lines of uh, the faith conversation for for you, are you a a reader? In, in kind of what what in what ways do you grow? How, how do you kind of grow the most in your walk with Jesus? What what are some of those those things that? Yeah, you- I I mean I'm I need to be. I always say, and I feel like I need to be a better reader. I'm not. Um, I just I feel like I read so much in preparation for games, which are rolling in every week and multiple days a week. And it's almost like I I can't even concentrate for that long. So a lot of it, uh, you know, I I love uh, like uh, Utmost, uh, the app Utmost. And uh, I I read that just about every day. And I kind of go through the the quick verses. Uh, There's a friend of mine sends me a group of us a text every day that's got a verse and a little a little note on it. So I'd, I'd say it's all these little taps on the rock. Um, mm. But also music is really important to me. Mm. And I was just listening to Mac Powell's new album, which is beautiful. Oh, how is that? Yeah, He's great. great. And he's such a good guy. And I hadn't talked to Mac in a few years and um, hadn't seen him. Obviously, they're not touring. So I wasn't, I used to go see him whenever they would come to Milwaukee or Wisconsin. But I, but I did the Braves in the uh, MLB postseason. So I had Atlanta and the uh, Dodgers in the NLCS. So, of course, you know, Mac was popping in like, hey, man, I'm watching. Nice. So I kind of cool. got reconnected with him there, and that was cool. I hadn't 
I, I didn't even know what he had gone, you know, just because I've been wrapped up in my own stuff. But music's really important to me. And so uh, it doesn't have to be faith-based music either. You know, it's not always, sometimes it's instrumentals or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. uh, again, I, I I see his hand in everything. That's kind of the way I look at life. And I think, um, you know, I I get a lot of my worship from from different genres of music, especially Christian music, but uh, not yeah. exclusively. Uh, I love Tori Kelly's. It's It's been out a couple of years now, but there's a gospel album she did mm. that yeah. I still listen to. It's almost, I don't know, man, I get on an airplane and I pop in that Tori Kelly mm. uh, album and it's like, I don't know, it's just something like I'm in a window now. It's been a couple of years, I think because it was new. And when I was, so I was traveling, this came out, I was listening to it a lot on the planes, then the pandemic hit Ah. and then I started traveling again. So I'm back on the planes. It was like, oh, I'm just going to pick up right where I left off, but it feels right. And it's like a salve, uh, you know, I love gospel music. Um, you know, I love like even bluegrass, Hmm. uh, music, like Alison Krauss is one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, she has a number of spiritual tunes in her you know, in her reel, but, uh, yeah, so it's kind of all over the map. I know it's a, it's a, it's a weird answer, but like no, that's me, cool. music puts me in a really good, in a good place. I'm the same way. I, I love music. I'm not a musician or singer or anything, but yeah. I absolutely love music. And so what is your connection to music? Similar I, don't, I don't have it. I have no skills. I play no yeah. music. I have no, I cannot play guitar or any instruments I've tried. <laughs> But I am from Austin, Texas, and I think that was a big influence in my upbringing, the live music capital of the world. And I kind of grew up with Stevie Ray Vaughan and Willie Nelson. And, yeah. uh, you know, there was a, the Chris Tomlin's an Austin guy, like uh, into the Christian genre. So uh, for me, it was just, I don't know, music was just such a part of our lives. I, I really wish I would have picked up an instrument at a younger age. Um, my daughter's a really amazing singer. Um, oh, cool not trying to become a singer professionally, but she can just sing and she's always sang and been in the choir. And I just, I, I love that. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I've met a lot of people through baseball and basketball that are musicians, you know, Josh Wilson's one of my favorites and, oh, yeah. um, he's a guy that we've done some charity events with before. And of course, Mac, um, so, and then there's a lot, you know, a lot of artists that aren't even in the Christian genre and probably wouldn't even call themselves Christian at all, but, um, you know, they're spiritual as well. And I, I, I appreciate that too. So just, it's yeah. a part of my life and it I, I feel like I think in song or I think in rhythms, mm-hmm. even when I'm broadcasting, it's funny, I, my, most of my analogies are music analogies. So I'll tell young broadcasters, Bryce, I'll say, so what I'm hearing is your delivery is like a marching band. Oh, wow. It's very rhythmic and you're hitting all your lines and everything's kind of perfect and you're marching and you're pow, pow, pow. And it's, but really uh, you need to be more of a jazz musician. You need to feel the game, let the game kind of take you where. So that's one thing I say a lot that seems to resonate. And it's, I'm looking for easy ways to make a connection to what I'm hearing and thinking when I listen to all these demo reels of all these young announcers. So that's what I go to almost 90% of the time, especially with guys just starting out uh, or young ladies just starting out. There's a lot of young female play-by-play announcers now, which is encouraging. So that's, yeah, like 
all my <laughs> all my analogies are either music or sports. So that's been a big I'm, part of my life. I'm right there with you. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I love it. And, I, <laughs> and last time uh, I had you on the show, I, I I asked you, I was just about to become a dad. And I was going to have a daughter, Maddie. Your daughter's uh, Maddie. Yes. Um, so she's now two years old. But, but I'm introducing Mine's her to 22. music. 22. Yes. That's, that's cool. Uh, yep. But I'm introducing her to music, and I, I'm I'm loving it. Just seeing what style she yes. resonates with, even as a as a two year old. So it's been a, a treat. Well, but- that's one of the greatest things you can hear is your two year old. My daughter used to sing all the time at a very very young age. Like I remember her singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" when she was two yeah, years old. Yeah, I've been old. doing but- that. But yep. when she starts singing like the popular Christian songs, if you're listening oh, to that, that's a yep. really that's a good place to be. You know when. When your little one is belting it out, you know, it's so it's it's very cool. Yes. When she sings Jesus Loves Me, that's uh oh, it's strong. That, it melts. I have it's a video strong. of my daughter singing oh, yeah. that and it's just the greatest. Makes me cry every time, oh, even all these years later. I bet. I, I do I do need to capture it. I don't think I have it on video, so I need to do that. Yes, but. do that. You'll want it later. Definitely. How is your daughter doing? So she's twenty two. Has she graduated yet or not yet. She's in her uh She's in her senior year at Marquette University. She's got one more semester next spring. She's already moving kind of past the college experience life. She's, you know, going to be entering the workforce and, you know, taking a few classes to finish up her degree. Um, She could have probably pushed it a couple of years ago and finished early, but I think she at that time wanted to take the full four years. And so she's doing great. She's on the dean's list. She's on the executive dean's list. Uh, So she's a great student. She's got a great heart, great, just a beautiful person uh, inside and out. And I couldn't be more proud of her. That's awesome. I love hearing that. That's neat. Yep. Well, the uh, the other big thing coming up for you, uh, of course, we got Thanksgiving. We're all excited about that. Yep. But then the day after, it's like, ah, how do you fill the day? You know, some people maybe go out shopping, forget about all that. The match is back. And we've got yes. a, a tremendous uh, matchup with, with Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. And, and so I can't believe they got these two guys to actually be on the course <laughs> together, I guess, following the Ryder Cup. But uh, but you're going to be on the call. And uh, to me, the most exciting part of it is you being there with Charles and Phil, Phil yes. Mickelson and Charles Barkley. So uh, hype it up. Let, let's 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 get some uh, people uh, excited about next well, Friday. The, the first thing I want to say about it, and it's and and it's somebody if you haven't had him on your show, you should. But Ernie Johnson oh, yeah, was Denver. supposed to do the gate was supposed to do the event. I've done the last three. I did the one last year at Thanksgiving. Ernie. Uh, was set to do it, and it was it was great. It was going to be great, and I'm in between NBA weeks as well. It was you know I was grateful uh, to be able to be home for Thanksgiving. But Ernie lost his son Michael, who was uh, 33 years of age, was adopted when he was three. I highly recommend you uh, go listen to or at least read about Ernie and Cheryl Johnson's story adopting Michael. So Michael passed, had a disability, and uh, he passed. He lived a lot longer than they ever imagined, but it's a, it's a beautiful story. But because this is going to be the first holiday, the first family gathering since Michael's passing, uh, which was just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Thanksgiving is going to be challenging for Ernie. Obviously, doing a golf tournament uh, would not have been a great place for him. So that's the first thing I want people to know about this. So sharing, yeah. uh, we'll be thinking about Ernie and praying for Ernie and, and his family as they go through a holiday without their son, which is hard. Uh, mm. The match itself will be Friday after Thanksgiving, and I will be with Charles 
and Phil. Phil's Phil's competed in the first four um, and won twice. One of those victories came with Charles Barkley, uh, which was the one we had last year at Thanksgiving in Tucson. Uh, So they're great and amazing. And Phil uh, has ownership stake in this whole franchise called The Match. And Tom Brady is an executive producer now. Uh, Turner Sports was at first a conduit for this thing that was thought about an idea. How could we do it? And then we partnered with Tiger's agency, Excel and Phil's agency, and put the first one on and then expanded it to turn into the pandemic match, which was the one that uh, we raised $20 million. That was with Tiger and Phil and Brady and Manning. The rain? that the it rain rained, it poured. Oh, it was like, it was a g- unbelievable. It was a great experience and just a fun, entertaining yeah. thing. And, you know, Brady ripped his pants and oh, yeah. Tiger was amazing. And it was just a really cool thing. And we drew like six, seven million viewers wow. for that, which they were hoping they'd, they'd draw a million. And they drew six, seven million. Anyway, so then it, it, going on. yeah, yeah, there was no sports. Yeah. That was the first bubble. That was actually the precursor to the NBA bubble. That was actually for us. Nobody really knows this, so I'll give you this information. But that was was actually a test run for us, Turner Sports, uh, with association uh, with the NBA, uh, that could we pull this off with health and safety protocols, and we did at the match. Mm. And then we turned that into the Orlando bubble experience with us and ESPN, um, and ESPN radio. So like that, that was that the, the second match was more important in so many ways, uh, outside of raising $20 million. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how many feeding America was a big sponsor there. So that's all really cool. And that's what I love about it. However, it's evolved. And now we've gone a little bit from the entertainment thing with the amateurs and the fun and giggles and all that to like, <laughs> two guys that don't like each other <laughs> that are actually legit competing to beat each other. Oh yeah. And now, so it's a different dynamic. Like there will be some yucks and we'll have earpieces two way in interaction with earpieces and microphones. So that'll be the same cart cams are coming back. We have drones. Nice. Um, and we've raised $30 million in the last three matches for charity. So that whole thing all works. And then this one's going to have a little touch of like, you know, not so much fun. I think it could yeah. be fun and there could be some laughs, but there's going to be some moments that are probably going to feel a little awkward, which is like <laughs> right up Charles Barkley's alley. Yeah. Uh, there's nobody that leans into awkward like Charles Barkley. No. So that's what it's going to be. And uh, I have no idea. It's going to be 12 holes. It's at the oh, Wynn Resort in Las Vegas. Um you know, it's going to be a, a two and a half, three hour window. It's not going to be a long five hours like like the others. Uh, so we're we're literally going to, you know, come on the air and hit the first tee shot. There will be no pregame show. There, we're just getting right to it. That's kind of some of the feedback we've gotten from the fans. Um, so we'll get right to it, and it could end on the eighth hole or the ninth hole, or we don't. It could go fifteen holes. We have no idea. Uh, but regulation is twelve holes, um, 
it does get dark there a little after 4 p.m. local time. So we have a bunch of lights set up on par threes if we need extra holes. That actually could be really fun uh, cool. to have these guys kind of shoot it out in the dark <laughs> oh, uh, under the Musco light. So I think it's going to be great. It's going to be different than the others, but I think it's going to be really intriguing, especially on the Friday after Thanksgiving. It's a beautiful window for for viewing with your family and you know the holiday spirit and you're all gathered there it's a great thing to to pop on and watch together and have some laughs and watch some really good competition absolutely two of the best golfers out out there so uh man that'll be fun yeah because i remember the tiger phil one in the dark toward the end i mean they tried to have lights but it didn't seem no it was very dark it was were there any lights? it was nuts yeah there was a light but not like what we're gonna have for this and we actually had it Last year at two in Tucson, we had it fully lit. There was a par three night. It was actually a nineteenth hole, not not the bar, but an, an <laughs> actual hole uh, at this particular club. We just didn't get there. It ended early, but we were ready in a much better way than the first one. So it'll uh, it'll feel. There was an LPGA event actually that f- they had a finishing in the dark with lights, uh, mm. and and you wouldn't really know if you were just watching highlights. It kind of looked like a little odd, but it looked like a studio. Uh, oh, wow. But no, it, it's going to be really well lit. There's no telling what that bill's going to be, but they'll be, they'll be cranking some energy uh, if we go extra holes, which, you know, we'll probably get in trouble for also. <laughs> no, that'll be that'll be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. So Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, yep. uh, Phil Mickelson, Charles Barkley, Brian Anderson, uh, Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, day after Thanksgiving, so Black That's Friday. Right. Uh, for Eastern. So uh, that should be should be a blast. Uh, what, you've worked with Charles over the years, I guess, here and yes. there, but he, not, not on an NBA broadcast so much. He doesn't he's not usually in the booth with you. So this is this is a little unique him doing golf. But yeah, what what's that dynamic like from your role dealing with him? He's great. I love him. Um, I do. I've worked with him. This will be the third match we've worked together. Um, He's just a beautiful person, man. I mean, mm. I don't know how else to explain it other than he cares. He's a culture builder. He's an energy giver. Uh, if you could think of any corporate phrases that would apply to the guy that walks in the room and owns a room and makes everybody better and makes everybody smile and makes everybody feel good about themselves, like that's him. And he's great at his job. And he's, you know, he's indifferent about what people think about him. Um He's got his vices and he's okay with that. And he's okay with your vices <laughs> and he just yeah. loves everybody. And cool. he, um, but he's tough, you know, also he's tough and he can be firm with people. And uh, you know, so he's kind of like, if you wanted to carve out a way to live your life, that, that it would kind of be the way Charles lives his life. I mean, he's, he sleeps well every night. You know, huh. he doesn't carry stress <laughs> Every, yeah. the, as the moments unveil in front of him each day, each week, each. It's just a moment to put yourself into and absorb and acknowledge and enjoy or despise or whatever it is. It's like, I'm just going to feel it all and live it all. And then we're going to go to the next moment. And it's tremendous. It is like he knows everybody's name on oh, the crew. Cool. He cool. reaches out. He's. I've seen him do things that he would be embarrassed that I would even say, but I've, I've seen him give people multiple hundred dollar bills that he has sensed that are struggling. It's like he walks wow. around with this notion like, man, this person 
looks like they're troubled, you know, and what's the matter, girl, or what's the matter, man? And it it's amazing how accurate he is uh, most of the time with that. It's incredible. Gosh. That, that's that's neat to hear. And I always hear them joking about he always picks up the tab when people go off for dinner with him. And always, no, always. <laughs> I've never paid. I actually paid for we uh, a round of golf. Uh, we were at this club, and this member invited us, and I went in early to pay for all of our green fees because Charles will never let us pay. But he was so mad <laughs> at me and threatened me. If you ever do that again, this is wow, my friend, my club. You never do that again. And I was like, man, okay. I mean, you know, a lot of guys say that, but they don't really mean it. He was yeah. dead serious. Do not ever pay for my green fee again, ever. And I was like, okay, Mr. Barkley. So I love him. Play golf together. He's actually a much better golfer. He doesn't have the hitch anymore. So he's That's a much better player than – and I'm glad he and Phil won the, the match That's right. three which was awesome and great for Charles. He hit the ball really well, and so it's pretty cool. That's cool. No, that's great to hear. He's he's my favorite guy on TV. I always yeah. say he, he should be on every show, every night. Whatever. If there's a spot, can be. he could be there. He could When totally. he was on the Manny cast, I mean, he's just he's great. <laughs> whatever. He'll show up on hockey, you know, broadcast. Yep. He's, he's awesome. So He could do whatever he wants, no question. Yep. And he's not yep. even on Twitter. He has no oh. idea the love that people have for him. That's true. Yeah, it makes sense. Gosh. Well, Brian, man, I, I could talk all day with you, but I'm so thankful for uh, for you taking the time and, and being a part of unpacking it today and, and appreciate uh, the encouragement that you shared with us today and, and some cool stories. And so always love having you on the show and enjoy listening to you uh, during the NBA season. And then we got March Madness around the corner and, of course, yep. the, the, the match coming up uh, as well. So uh, greatly appreciate it and uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. All right, Bryce. Thanks, buddy. Good to be with you again. Absolutely. There's Brian Anderson, Turner Sports, the match coming up next week. Joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in the Unpacking It studio this is the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare and loved having Brian Anderson on the show today. Just a cool guy. Gosh, we get these broadcasters on and they're so much fun. And I know I get a little nerdy when it comes to some of the broadcast conversations, talking about studios and stuff, but I always have to apologize to you as a listener. But I do hope that, that you enjoy hearing some of the inside stuff because you know we we watch these games as fans, so it's fun to hear some of the the, the ways they uh, they operate as as broadcasters. So they're a key part of the game. There, there's no question about it. So so I love it, and and he's one of the best. So very very cool. But I loved some of the encouragement that he shared as well. And you know what verse, he kind of alluded to it, but I, I thought I would just read it. That really summarizes a, a couple of the key themes from what he talked about. James 1, and this is 19 and 20 in the Bible. This is the amplified version where it says, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, 
forgiving. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, that standard of behavior, which he requires from us. And, and so I'll stop there. But um, th- this idea, this principle in the Bible, slow to speak and, and slow to anger and quick to listen. Or quick, yeah, quick to hear, quick to listen. So those are, those are great principles. And then we, we talked about righteous anger a- as well, uh, which is, that's, that's part of the deal. That, that we're going we're gonna to get righteously anger about things that are wrong. Um, the, the problem is we probably we justify our anger for things that really don't matter, especially they don't matter to God. Um, now, but there are a number of things that, that do matter. And, and so we've got to you know, saturate ourselves with Scripture so that we know the difference between righteous anger and just being angry people. Um, and, and that's why we've got to be slow to anger, right? So we're, if we're thoughtful and prayerful, then you know we can understand. Okay, yeah, this is this is a situation that should anger us. This is this is injustice. You know, you think about some of the injustices in this world and and the the people that are hurting and the the, the major concerns that we should have as as followers of Jesus. Yeah, there's going to be an element of of anger there, uh, but it's what we do with that anger and 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 how we. Um, you know, remain committed to the Lord and and not take it too far. So, but still, slow to anger. Um, but then the, the key part I was going to talk about too, just this idea of being quick, quick to hear and slow to speak. And I, I love in the Amplified version where it says, "A speaker of carefully chosen words." That's what a great play-by-play guy is. He's he's a someone that understands when to get in, when to get out. At the end of games, once everybody's celebrating. Get out, but get that final call. Everybody loves that final call. Then you know to get out. If if the you know the play needs you to really give descriptions and, and all that sort of thing, you describe it. And and so these guys are pros. They know what they're doing, but the best know when to get in, when to get out. Not to you don't stay too long. You don't over speak. You don't over you know talk so much over the the play or over your commentator. Uh, anything like that. You, you, you let the, the game breathe. And so it's just good advice for us in life too, especially as, as husbands uh, listening to our spouse. We, we, we can never be told enough that we got to be better listeners, right? It's just, it's, it's an ongoing skill to learn, but, but knowing <laughs> when to, to pick the, the right words at the right time, be slow to speak and, and be quick to hear, quick to listen. Um, and especially to people too, we don't have to always come in with all the answers, but listen, feel it out and know when to jump in, know when to, 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 to say something that's true. Uh, but we gotta, we gotta pick our spots and that's what a play by play guy does. So I love that parallel, uh, just in, in life and no, yeah, I mean, we just gotta know timing. We gotta know situations. Too many people just fly off the handle and they jump in with, you know, jump into conversations or say things to people. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa read the room, man. Read the room. What are, what are you talking about? Uh-uh. No, that's not the right thing to say right now. That's that's inappropriate, you know? Not, it's not even inappropriate in like a bad, inappropriate way, but in, in just a know the circumstance, know the situation. That's You don't say that at this time. So we got we to gotta know those things. But again, we got to be prayerful. We got to be aware of how this Holy Spirit leads us. And we got to remember verses uh, like this in James. So uh, I encourage you to check that out. James 1, 19 and 20. Uh, you can unpack that a little bit. 
further. Uh, but great stuff from Brian. Just a down-to-earth guy. Just just good stuff. I love talking music. I'm a big music guy. I love all genres. Uh, not every genre. Actually, he, he mentioned bluegrass. I didn't want to tell him. I don't like bluegrass music. I was up in the mountains for school at App State. I, I, I still couldn't get into it. I can do country. I can do new country. Uh, it took me a while to like country music, uh, but I'm, I'm in. I like the newer stuff. Darius Rucker and those kind of guys, but um, I, I like a bunch. I like a bunch of country music actually, but uh, I'm still a rock rock guy at heart. But I love Christian music, all kinds of Christian music, and so I understand how how that inspires you in your faith when you listen to wonderful worship music. So there you go, great stuff from Brian Anderson. Appearance number three on the Unpacking It podcast, presented by MediShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks so much for listening. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. One more time, presented by MediShare. Check them out, metashare.com slash unpacking it. It's open enrollment. Look at your options. Go see Go see what they're all about, metashare.com slash unpacking it. Thanks so much. We'll see you. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.